Welcome to Straight Talk on Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chet Salaska. Straight Talk on Health is a joint production with WGVU in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I examine the world of health, nutrition, exercise, diet, supplementation. If there's something new, I look at the science behind it and let you know whether it's real or not. You can check out other things that I do on my website, drchet.com, and please sign up for my free emails. I thought I would do something just a little bit different on this Straight Talk on Health. I'm still going to look at a recently published study, but I'm going to do it in a slightly different way. I'll certainly give you the details about the study as well as the conclusions, but I'm also going to include questions that I have as I read through the study. Here we go. Headlines in my newsfeed always get my attention when they are related to health. I try to stick to mainstream online media sources. Why? Because by the time it gets to the local station in Richmond, Virginia, or a newspaper in a foreign country, it's simply regurgitating the press release from the research group that originally did it. You don't often get enough details that way. This one came from SciTech Daily, one that I regularly use, and it was a press release from Queen Mary University of London. It was the headline that drew my attention. New study shatters vitamin D supplementation myth. Well, okay, that's going to get my attention. The press release talked about how vitamin D does not prevent fractures in school-aged children. Evidently, about one-third of children have at least one fracture before the age of 18. This apparently is a major global health issue because the health care to repair broken bones is not the same in other countries as it is here in the United States, thereby leading children to have permanent disabilities. Well, I agree with that. I think that's an important consideration. So where did they do this study? Mongolia. It was published in Lancet Diabetes Endocrinology in early 2024. And in that it's open access, you can find the study and read it for yourself if you so choose. Here's just some of the results. Almost 9,000 school children, aged 6 to 13, living in Mongolia, received a weekly oral dose of vitamin D. The students were supplemented and tracked for three years. 95.5% had a vitamin D deficiency at baseline, and the supplementation boosted their vitamin D levels into the normal range. The problem, as the researchers saw it, was that there was no impact on bone strength. They did not measure bone mineral content, but did test bone strength in the wrist in close to 1,500 of the initial 9,000 subjects. Their conclusion was that after three years, there was no difference in fractures in children, vitamin D supplementation, and those taking a placebo. Therefore, physicians and healthcare professionals should question the use of vitamin D for bone health in children throughout the world. Now, I thought that this deserved a closer look before we start changing the vitamin D supplementation recommendations for children. Let me give you the actual conclusion in the paper before going any further. Our findings suggest that weekly vitamin D supplementation without concomitant calcium supplementation does not have a role in the reduction of fracture risk in children. Well, where did calcium come from all of a sudden? It was mentioned throughout the study because vitamin D and calcium go together. But calcium levels were only tested in 100 subjects, and it wasn't discussed as a potential issue, which, of course, it is. I decided to check up on Mongolia, and specifically the city where the children lived. 
Ulaanbaatar. The weather is not hospitable in this mountainous country. They have winter close to 9 to 10 months a year and a brief, cool, and rainy summer. The lack of sunlight may explain the decrease in vitamin D levels. And that's unusual because more vitamin D would be made in a location that is close to a mile higher than sea level. Nevertheless, the cloudy conditions definitely seem to impact the vitamin D status. But that fact makes the recommendation to reconsider vitamin D supplementation in children that live in a sunnier climate suspect. I'm also not a fan of giving high doses of vitamin D in studies such as this. I understand why they do it. Getting anyone to take a pill every day is challenging. In this case, they gave the children one dose of 13,000 international units of vitamin D every week and a higher dose when they were going to be out of school on any type of break that lasted more than two weeks. Another one of my personal pet peeves is how they measure dietary calcium intake. They did talk to the parents of the children to determine their typical diet and then use the information to calculate calcium intake. Because they only tested the dietary intake at one point sometime during the study, as well as the fact that not all subjects had calcium levels assessed, that seems problematic to me. It's a gross assumption to think that diets, especially in children between 6 and 13 years of age, won't change in three years. Making assumptions about dietary intake, especially in children, just seemed like an incorrect approach, especially if calcium intake is so important. I'm going to read to you another sentence from the results of the study. The primary outcome of the trial was the proportion of children who were QFT positive at the manufacturer-recommended threshold of 0.35 international units per ml, IFN gamma, at the end of the study. What? What does QFT positive mean? So I dug a little deeper. This is a test for tuberculosis. The only other time it was mentioned was as a criteria for inclusion in the study. In other words, they only accepted subjects who were QFT negative in the study. Okay, so where did this come from? So I dug a little deeper and looked at the clinical trials code for the study. Now, this is a website run by the National Institute of Health that lists all clinical trials. I read through the objectives for the study. The primary objective was to see if vitamin D supplementation would reduce the cases of tuberculosis that were diagnosed over the three years of the study in the children taking vitamin D compared to the children taking a placebo. There was no mention of any results related to that question in the published paper. Now, it may be that they haven't published those results yet, although that would seem a little strange. That was the entire purpose of the study, and it was important to report that finding. The question about vitamin D and bone health was included as one of the potential secondary outcomes to be examined in this clinical trial. To begin with, it was number six on their list. It just seems odd that no result related to the primary purpose of the study were reported at all. I could not find results related to tuberculosis anywhere in PubMed from this study. There were other studies by the same research group on the use of vitamin D in tuberculosis and other respiratory infections, but not a word so far from this study. Well, what do we think now? Well, we can only use the information that we have available as of the recording of this podcast. 
And up to this point, there is no mention of a study on vitamin D impacting the development of tuberculosis in Mongolia. Now, it may be that SciTech Daily uses artificial intelligence or some other form of selecting articles to promote their news feed. It may be designed to pull the most provocative articles and go with that. But never one to leave well enough alone. There's another reason this type of study might get some play on the Internet. There is a real focus on two things going on in the health profession today. The first is to discredit supplementation of any type. Food and Drug Administration and the American Medical Association have decided that only physicians can talk about dietary supplements. And second is that all they are saying is that there are no regulations that the government controls the dietary supplement business, which is false, and every supplement you take is the cause for any issue you may be experiencing. Look, based on the study I've reviewed here today, there's no reason to change vitamin D supplementation. The primary purpose is to boost the immune system. Almost as important is to benefit the skeletal system. But in order to do that, there has to be enough calcium in the diet, either from food or from supplements. As for time, I'm all out. So thanks for listening. This is Dr. Chet Salasco saying, health is a choice, people. Choose wisely today and every day.